Welcome to the Latin MedTech Leaders Podcast, a conversation with MedTech leaders who have succeeded or plan to succeed in Latin America. Please subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Stitcher, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, Pandora, or Deezer. Welcome to the Latin MedTech Leaders Podcast, a conversation with leaders who have succeeded or plan to succeed in Latin America. Today, our guest is Jim Odnick. He is founder and chief executive officer of Epoch Lasers and holds a U.S. patent for his unique laser therapy device for treating chronic pain. So, Jim, it's a pleasure to have you here in the show. Welcome. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. Awesome, Jim. All right. I hope I pronounced your name correctly. <laughs> I always have difficulties, but... Uh, <laughs> Close enough. It's fine. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. All right. All right. All right, Jim. So I'm very intrigued with your experience in Latin America. Uh, let's start with your uh, journey to the region. How is it you got involved uh, with the countries uh, that I understand uh, you started doing uh, business in Latin America, Ecuador, Brazil? Yes, and so my personal journey actually starts uh, before that. Uh, in the days of my activity in the field of ophthalmology, I was involved with the clinical trials that took place down in Latin America, down in Mexico, and that exposed me to how friendly people were and how open they were to trying new devices. And it always seemed a bit odd because their healthcare system, you wouldn't think, would do that, yet the doctors were very progressive there in thinking how they can get advanced uh, tools to help people. And so that kind of planted the seed for years later for me to revisit uh, Latin America. And so several years ago, I had an opportunity uh, with my laser, an earlier version, to travel to uh, Brazil, a little town called Uberlândia, a little farming community, and talk to local uh, veterinarians and some local doctors about laser therapy and what it could do. Uh, to help uh, cure people, uh, help cure animals, uh, help treat people in pain. And it was a, a very fascinating trip for me. Again, I found just uh, really wonderful people who were very, very interested to learn and uh, very open-minded about new technology. So you fast forward from those two experiences to uh, maybe about three years ago, and I was introduced to some people in Ecuador. And uh, this is at a location called uh, TOSA, and it uh, stands for Temple of Self-Ascension. And it, it seemed a little bit uh, non-traditional uh, for me uh, as, a, as a medical uh, professional. And I said, well, I'm going to start to talk to folks more. And I participated in a, a little bit of a radio show uh, for a while and uh, got to know the, the people that own it. And they said, hey, we're very interested in your laser can you bring it down here? And we have this uh, beautiful place uh, where we invite people and we'd like you to come down and, uh, and try it and, and see if it helps. And we have a little room where we can put the laser in and treat. And that's how I, I got started there. And of course, I brought the laser down, had a, a great visit and it went extraordinarily well. And uh, they found there was a, a good benefit from it. And it was from that visit where... I really got the, the the start where I just happened to over breakfast one morning say, wouldn't it be great if we could take this high technology and use it to treat the indigenous people here in the country that have no access to health care? And that idea really resonated with everyone. And thus, uh, we, uh, we went down the path of starting this 
Clinic Alinda and getting uh, donors for it. And I donated equipment and training and education. And uh, and now today it's spread. There's, there's five clinics operating. So and this is in, in a little over a year's period of time. So really incredible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, truly really incredible. Wow. <laughs> All right. So let's, let's talk about uh, what trends you see happening in, in Latin America today, with socioeconomic or disease trends you see happening in Ecuador, Brazil, elsewhere. In so uh, some very interesting trends that I see coming together. One is just on an economic trend and some focus on using Bitcoin and moving away from fiat currency to something like a, a Bitcoin currency within the country. And Ecuador is very highly focused on this to say maybe the dollar and the old exchange of money isn't necessary and you're starting to see terminals go up uh, where you can actually buy and sell bitcoin at a, at a small terminal so it's a very that's a very fascinating macroeconomic trend and uh, one of the laser sales that I made there I actually uh, was paid in bitcoin through it <laughs> <laughs> so you have to be okay. flexible <laughs> and uh i said okay and but it, you know in the process that at the time bitcoin was still going up so there were fees and things associated with it but um you know ultimately at the end of the day i, I did quite well with that method of payment it was fast efficient and uh you know money comes comes into the bitcoin you go transfer it to your bank uh, very quickly so it was a very very new trend and again these are things you wouldn't expect to happen. You would think these would be something you'd see in the Western European countries, not in Latin America. And so it's a very, very fascinating method of, of payment. And so uh, that's one, one trend I see. Um, another more challenging trend is uh, getting products in and out and the high tariffs that get put on uh, shipping product over. And so there's always ways to think about and be creative how you can uh, get product down there and keep the flow if something needs to be repaired uh, to try to minimize the amount of uh, headache that goes on when you're trying to sell the device that's a, you know, a medical electronic device there. So you have to really think about that and, and how you're going to uh, move equipment in and out of the country and do it effectively. How are you going to service the product, uh, this type of thing? Uh, sure. Well, now that you talk about that, there are a few trends in the region where a lot of countries in Latin America have free yeah. trade agreements with the United States and European Yes, countries. and this is helpful. The, the, the trade agreements you have to pay attention to, uh, depending on the country you're, you're going into and how, how open are they. And the other thing I, I've learned is the uh, geography isn't always like here in the States. So, you know, I live in Ohio, as you know, and I can be um, Indiana, I can drive to Boston, uh, to New York, and I can be there in a very short amount of time. It's not so easy to fly into Guayaquil and then take a five-hour van ride overnight to get to your location the next morning. <laughs> so you have to have a little bit of uh, motivation. <laughs> and uh, the jet lag isn't too bad, but the, uh, the, the journey is, is long sometimes to get there. Uh, so you have to, to keep in mind uh, that. But I see more and more flights being added on. And so I see this trend to give access, more access. And this is very encouraging for me. Well, you're talking about two trends here, uh, Jim. One trend is the build-up of infrastructure in Latin America. 
the region has traditionally been behind in infrastructure. And actually, Ecuador is one of the leading countries in Latin America in infrastructure now. And, and, and just for the listeners' uh, education or information, in case uh, they're not familiar with Latin America, but uh, specifically South America, the geographical barriers, the geographical challenges are immense. Because of the Andes, you have three mountain ranges, huge mountain ranges, huge uh, geographic uh, barriers between one place to the other. You have to go up and down the Andes to go from one place to the other. So it, it really, really is a, it's a, it's a challenge for companies to move products around. But, um, but uh, yes, there's a, one of the trends is uh, more infrastructure and more flight connectivity in Latin America. Especially now, with yeah, it's, it's interesting that um, on the computer side of things, uh, their internet works extremely well. And I always have a little bit of a joke to say their internet r- works really well when the power's on, <laughs> because <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that's great. I mean, I love it. <laughs> and, and so, yeah. having been up in the in yeah. the Andes and, and up in this uh, little area where there's Cuenca and Paute and these little uh, uh, tiny cities, um, the power goes off quite a bit. Uh, but the the bandwidth, the internet bandwidth, is great. I can have video conferences all over the world without a problem. And it's a uh, yeah, it's uh, it's very interesting. So as long as you have power, yeah, when it works, <laughs> when it works. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's 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 a challenge of dance. And you know, when I I do most of my work remotely, I, I'm always traveling, especially in Colombia, all over Colombia. And, uh, uh, sometimes energy, I mean, power goes off. I mean, for many reasons, <laughs> it's not 100 reliable. And uh, I I can't think of an excuse to an US. Uh, client, when I'm on a video call, how, I mean, what excuse should I give me? <laughs> because I cannot really tell him, no, it doesn't power went off because, I don't know, because sometimes it does. I mean, it takes about an hour to, to go back. <laughs> this happens in California too, right? I mean, they have rolling power outages, so it's, uh, um, no, we're not immune to it here in the States either, so. <laughs> that's true, that's, that's true. a lot. <laughs> Yeah, in, in Colombia, in, in Barranquilla, where I'm from, usually I'm, I'm, I stay there. And from Barranquilla, I travel to other parts of the country. So sometimes I spend uh, a month in Barranquilla waiting for my next client uh, to arrive or something. So we go to another city. But uh, sometimes it rains and just and the power goes off. I mean, <laughs> so it rains almost yeah. three times a week. So. <laughs> anyway, so <laughs> let's, let's focus on the conversation on better things. All right, so... Uh, Jim, let's talk about uh, what you're doing today. I mean, what's the 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 scope of your involvement in Latin America today? I understand uh, you are involved in Mexico. I'm sorry, in Brazil, Ecuador, and you have plans to build another clinic in Mexico. Let's talk about clinics. Um, sure. The, really, the uh, idea of expanding just comes from how quickly we were able to deploy uh, these clinics. Uh, into Ecuador and realizing the need. Uh, when this idea was first conceived, we thought we'd be treating 10 people a week, maybe, uh, and 10 of the indigenous population a week. And all of a sudden, you know, it, within a few months, we were up to 50 a day. <laughs> 
And, uh, you know, that's when we designed the uh, clinic, which went up very quickly, the structure for it, it wasn't like a U.S. You know, clinic. Um, it doesn't have to be a sterile environment. It's not surgery. It's a, a therapy. But uh, it made us realize that how great the need was. So I think we underestimated the need and we underestimated how the populations would respond um, and their graciousness of saying rec the recognition our indigenous population needs help. They don't have access to a CVS uh, or a Walgreens. They, they can't go to the pharmacy and, and get drugs. They can barely go see a doctor. And there's so many laborers in the fields that are, that are working there. Um, it's just in incredible to watch. And they, they need help and they're the nicest people you can, can imagine. And so, uh, what we kind of morphed our business model into was to say, how can we, we can't completely be charity. At the end of the day, we're a for profit company. And as much as we, we'd love to help. So how can we weigh these two things, the social responsibility and helping, um, against the need to, to make profit and sell lasers and the things that we sell? And so, one of the ideas and the approaches we've been taking, which seems to, to work pretty well, is to say, look, you can open this, this clinic, uh, but really the requirement is we'd like you to do 30% of your work um, on the indigenous people that can't pay. And uh, so we, we try to work with uh, um, people that want to do that. And we've been successful in that model, taking the, the doctors that are working in the clinics and saying, Yes, I recognize that, and I do want to help. And uh, I, I recognize I can do this many patients, and then on, you know, Thursdays, Fridays, and Saturdays, I can do the indigenous population, and, and that I can do both, and I can make it work ethically, and I can make it work for the population, so that we're not just you know profit hungry, and and that we really want to try to help both. And so it, it's a it's a really good balance, and so we're we're currently looking at how to deploy, if you're ready for this number, as many as 1,800 clinics. What? <laughs> so, yes, no, not better? just in Ecuador, but or, or, yeah, in different countries around the world, but a lot of those would be in, uh, in Latin America, um, you know, including places like Ecuador, Guatemala, Brazil, uh, Mexico. These are all places. And if you figure that in a little bit, less than a year we went from zero to five clinics you know really fast uh then you know it's it's very feasible to do this and we have some people that are really behind this idea if you start doing the math and you say okay if you can do as many as 40 to 50 patients a day and you start taking that across even a thousand clinics you're talking about 10 million plus people 10 to 20 million people that you can help. And that is really what drives us. And so from a, a plans from a corporate standpoint, we have never lost sight of we're here to help people to try to do a couple things, get rid of the addiction to narcotic medications that are just handed out like candy to help, provide an alternative means of healing through this light type of uh, device, and then to to really deploy it in mass. If we can deploy it in mass at clinics that do both for-profit and treat indigenous people, then we can treat a lot of people um, and we can build and scale that up relatively quickly. And so I think this is, a, is really our plan and it made us think about other areas of the world. 
if we can do that in, in South America as the blueprint for it, then why can't we do it in the U.S. with the Indian population here? Uh, why can't we do it in some of the um, Eastern European countries where they need the help? Why can't we go into Ukraine right now? It's, it's such a, a huge problem and, and uh, provide the technology. So this is really uh, one of those things that, you know, you can call it socially responsible marketing, but it's not pol political marketing. It's truly marketing to help people. And how can we help the most people overcome their conditions of pain? And one of the things we realize is if you have a person in pain, like yourself, and you're, you have a chronic back pain, then you come home with that. At the end of the day, you're exhausted and you're maybe irritable with your family um, because you're in pain. So if we can get one person better, then their family gets better because suddenly the person's in a better mood. And so this is what we see happening in, in Ecuador is the the family units become happier and, and healthier because you're you're helping one person and that uh, actually goes to other folks. And so this is our idea. So we're, we always say we're not just about de deploying or selling a laser. We're about really helping people. That's kind of what's what's backing us up. It's the people first. And uh, but we don't forget that we're a for-profit company either, you know, so, and uh, you have to, to keep that in mind. But uh, I think the Latin American market has offered so much opportunity. And, uh, you know, it's interesting. If you look at the, the technology, they respond, the indigenous people in Ecuador, as an example, respond so quickly to the treatments with the laser. And, you know, being an engineer and scientist type of person, I look for the hardcore evidence and why is this, why are they getting treated better here? And I'm blessed to have two daughters that are doctors of microbiology. And I, I ask them, why do you think this is happening? Is it something, you know, involved in the DNA? What's going on? And, and they gave me the most surprising answer, which is, I think, be speaking of positive things in Latin America is that, people don't know who John Hopkins is. They don't follow the FDA. They're open-minded. It's not to say they're going to try things that are super crazy, but their minds are open. They don't have any roadblock that prevents them from accepting the, the full value of the treatment and the communication between the therapist and, and them being treated. And so th this is, I, I go back to my beginning statement. You asked about my personal journey that I've always found in Latin America, how cordial and friendly and open people are, how the family matters. And uh, what we find drives the volume in the clinics that are in Ecuador are family. Uh, one person comes in to be treated and then they're successful. They realize their cousin, their aunt, their sister, uh, their mother, their father, they all need to be treated. And suddenly it's word of mouth spreads quite incredibly. And uh, this is the beauty of that, that uh, section of the world, I think, is that, that family value and, and their focus on nature, their belief system are all well open to certainly the wellness types of healing and technology. And households are large. I mean, a house, a small house has 20 people. And it has the brother, the, the, the mother, the father, the, the kids. 
the cousin, the, the, the grandparents, sometimes the great-grandparents. So. It is, as a, uh, having spent quite a bit of time in, in Ecuador and actually uh, treating uh, people there, I was always amazed because they would, uh, uh, I, I don't speak a lot of Spanish, by the way, which is another you know, interesting topic, but I, I don't speak a lot of Spanish, but they would always say, I, I bring my mother. And then the next time they would bring their mother. And then the next day they'd bring their sister. And as you say, it's suddenly <laughs> the, there's 11 people sitting in the, the clinic waiting to be treated and they're all related. <laughs> and it, so this is uh, it's quite fascinating. So another interesting point for your listeners is, okay, you don't speak Spanish. How do you do business in, in Ecuador? It's a, it's a good, it's a good point. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I use Google translate when I can, I, I'm providing <laughs> therapy for patients, so it, I have to get their feedback. So I, I have a, a note sheet of, of phrases uh, that I use uh, to, to help with, with that. And, uh, but it's funny, as much as I practice speaking it, uh, they still don't understand me until I hold up the paper and they can read it. <laughs> so, so you have to be you know, a bit creative. From a business standpoint, from a banking standpoint, there are usually multilingual people. So um, it's not really hasn't been a, a struggle. It hasn't been a demand to say, if you don't speak Spanish, you can't come into the, to the country. And I've lectured there and I've given talks and any medical professional usually speaks, you know, one or more languages. And they certainly speak English as well. And uh, they, they understand that the terms and things that are being used. So I really haven't found language as an impediment, even when it gets right to the patient level, to uh, a Kanyare um, Indian in Ecuador who speaks little or no English or maybe knows two words. Uh, this Google Translate is extraordinarily helpful and uh, making some notes and lending them the, the cards, the cheap cards uh, are very helpful. <laughs> Sometimes they even struggle with speaking Spanish, yes. by the way. Yes, they do, because the dialects are different. Spanish in Argentina, Spanish in um, Ecuador is, is different than Spanish in Mexico. And uh, this I recognize by one of my children, they double majored. One of their majors was in Spanish. And they always, even my daughter had trouble when she went to Argentina, fully understanding, <laughs> saying, I don't follow what they're saying. So. <laughs> But at least I have a, yeah. At least I have a family resource that can read and, and, and help. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yes, that's true. That helps. That's helpful. But even I'm a native speaker of Spanish, and sometimes it's difficult to to go to a country like Argentina and stand what you're saying. They use different words, different intonation, the way they speak. I'm sorry, the way they write is different because they write as they speak. So it's the only country in Latin America where you find that. So it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Jim, so any challenges? Uh, well, uh, setting all these up in terms of regulatory challenges, obtaining market clearance for the products, for the lasers, um, license challenges to build the clinics. So from a regulatory standpoint, this classifications of products are not uh, ones that require, they're not class three implantable devices, the therapeutic products. So the ease of moving in and out is uh, easier. And also the people don't, uh, the, the countries look at it and they try to follow the FDA trends. 
So uh, at least in the Latin America community. So if the FDA recognizes something is not requiring a PMA, they don't require it either. Uh, there's sometimes electrical safety standards and things that you have to pay attention to. But again, it's a surg- it's not a surgical product. It's a therapeutic product. You're not doing anything invasive to the patient. It doesn't be, it's not used in a sterile environment. So, um, as long as you have your documentation in order of what, what's necessary, uh, what, what's the requirement in the U.S.? Well, you meet good manufacturing practices. You know, you have, uh, ISO 13485, uh, manufacturing facilities, uh, making the product. As long as you recognize those things, you show that there's a level of, of safety. So we really haven't encountered any, uh, regulatory challenges just yet that we've been able to overcome. Now, in Brazil, it's a little bit, uh, interesting because they want product built in Brazil. Uh, so if it's a medical product of any kind, they would prefer it's built down there. And and this is similar in South Korea, so it's not an unusual circumstance. And so then you have to work through the agreements uh, necessary to uh, let them assemble the product there. You know, take the key modules, uh, five modules, and plug them together and test and calibrate so that it's assembled there in the country. Uh, but you still maintain the quality level and the quality control. So there are ways to, to think through this. Very good, Jim. I'm very glad to hear that uh, you haven't really faced uh, many challenges, regulatory challenges in Latin America so far. Uh, Mexico is also challenging. I mean, let's see. Well, it's famous for being challenging. Let's see how it goes with Cafe Priest. <laughs> Ecuador, I've never had any experience with Ecuador uh, registering medical devices, but um, it seems like a straightforward country from what I've read and from what I've spoken with people. About. Yes, it, appear, it appears to be very straightforward and there's not a lot of regulatory entanglement that you have to go through. So, uh, yeah. Okay, very good. Excellent. All right, um, Jim, so we're close to the end of the show and uh, I'd like to ask you a final question about <clears throat> what will be your final words of wisdom uh, if you had the CEO of a medical device company in front of you what would you say to him or her if, if uh, the company uh, he or she represents is interested in uh, exploring Latin America? I would say that it's an incredibly worthwhile um, and lucrative market, uh, that the access is, is very straightforward for many of the Latin American countries, that you'll be dealing with a population and people that are uh, very uh, friendly and, and uh, very nice, and uh, that you'll find them very open to, to new technology and new ideas and trying new things. And that it's a, a really a good idea to try to pursue a business in Latin America. It's been um, a work of joy, not just work. And uh, that, that makes it worthwhile. I think you'll have a very worthwhile experience if you go to, to Latin America and you work there and you try to bring your products there, you'll find very receptive people. Excellent, Jim. Thank you so much for being in our show today. It's been a delightful conversation and I look forward to being in touch. Yes, thank you very much. Really appreciate the time today. Thank you.